Cause the God 
you know, in, in our calendar that there's time and we make time for each other. So I just encourage you to do that. Put that on your hearts today, and I hope that you'll take action on that and reach out to somebody in your church family. Um, with that said, we're continuing to pray and um, have progress with um, pastoral search. So just wanted you all to be aware that that is happening. I know a lot of that happens quietly for a while. Um, and so we're just asking for your prayer right now, um, every day, right? Your, your board members are going through that process. The candidates that we're talking to are um, kind of putting their, their um, information together and reaching out to us or having that communication and just be part of that process through your prayer. So um, with that, I just want to say thank you for everybody that is here and uh, let's worship together. So let's say a quick prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this morning that we have the ability to gather together and for those that can't be here, that they can join us online and be part of the service. And I just pray that they will feel your presence as well as we do here and that you would be with us through this time of worship, that we would just open up ourselves, we would drop the cares that we walked in with and just listen to you moving in our hearts and feel your presence this morning. In your name, amen. Oh, really? 
Bryce, I wanted to do what you did last week and just stay over there. And then I remembered the words right here because of the camera, right? All right, it is. Well, good morning. Good to see you all. Um, I want to get too deep into it, but I don't know about you guys, but uh, and just so you know, I will preface this with uh, I don't watch the news a lot. I try to stay off of uh, social media unless I'm looking for cute pictures that I can like. I don't like all the memes and all that stuff about people's opinions all that much. I care about the people. I just don't care about all their opinions all that much sometimes. Um, but uh, this week has just been a week where I've actually kind of found some silence in my own life. And just trying to um, seek out what God is speaking to my heart. Our world kind of looks like it's self-imploding a little bit, but but it's okay. Jesus is still king, right? Still king. He's still on the throne. He really is that answer, God. Guys and gals, is that there's no other there's no other answer. There's no other thing that we can look for. There's no other opinion that we can look towards that will solve the unrest in our own hearts and the unrest in our world today. So I just want to encourage you today. Don't seek out the news. Don't seek out the memes that are being marketed. Seek out the King of Kings. Seek out the Lord of Lords. Seek out the person that has been good to us all of our days. There's no other answer. There's no other answer. Okay, I think I'm done. Let's pray. You guys ever experienced in life someone questioning something that was purchased? Someone questioned it because they thought it was too much. Have you heard people say things like, I would never spend that kind of money on that? What a waste. How could they do that? Why didn't they just give some of that money that they used on that Corvette to give to the poor or a food bank? It's pretty commonplace. We hear it, we see it, we think it, right? And I don't know about you guys, but I love to read stories about how someone gives to charity, right? Like um, there's a story uh, about uh, somebody they estimate they gave about $4 billion away this year, $4 billion with a B, to different things. And actually one of the people that they gave to was the um, Blackfoot College up on the Blackfoot Indian Reservation. And it's an undisclosed amount how much they gave, but they... They tell them, take your time figuring out how you need to spend that, but I want to give to you. That's an awesome story. Those are heartwarming stories of making differences and, and uh, building bridges in people's lives. And I know I don't know how many of you watch football, but on Christmas Day, there was this guy this running back for the Saints. His name's Alvin Kamara, and he came out, and he was wearing a green cleat and a red cleat. And if any of you know about professional sports, there's rules about the color of shoes that you can wear. And if they don't match your uniform, the league and he knew that he was going to wear his Christmas cleats despite that fine. Well, I don't know if it was the green and the red shoe or not, but he scored six touchdowns that day, which, by the way, is a record. Six touchdowns that day. And he knew he was going to get fined, but he announced, I'm going to get fined, and whatever they find me, sock it to me, NFL, because I'm going to not only pay you your money for wearing the shoes that I think are a dumb rule anyways, 
but I'm going to match the exact amount of money that you find me, and I'm going to give it to a charity. I think that's pretty awesome, right? They should have fined him more. They only fined him 5000 bucks. But, uh, but um, like, if I would have got wind of that, I probably would have fined him more, and he probably wouldn't have even appealed. He probably would have been like, oh, I know this is the biggest fine in the history of the NFL, but I want to give, right? It was pretty neat. I love those stories. People giving to those in need. And when we see those stories, we, we like them. Because they're giving to others, and we understand there's a story behind the story is why they're giving. And I also struggle with those first stories that we discussed. People telling others and judging others that they are greedy, or they're not giving to the right thing, or they're giving to the wrong people. It can create a lot of debate, a lot of confusion, a lot of division. I know that for the next few weeks, likely... I will be sharing, so you better be here. I will be offended next week because I just told you for the next few consecutive weeks I will be sharing. Okay, you better be tuning on, tuning in. Yes, I can check to see if you were on this week online and next week online. I'm just telling you right now. I'm just teasing. For the next few weeks, I am uh, going to be speaking. Uh, we may have an interruption in there once or twice, but we'll just see what the God has, what God has in store. But. Uh, the Larson family is preparing for a new great gift. So uh, Bryce is taking a little bit of time off as they prepare for their new baby to get here, which is always fun to you. I was going to say Bryce is So I knew I was going to be speaking for the next few weeks, so I thought, well, you know, this might be my only opportunity. When we get a new pastor, I probably won't have this opportunity, so I'm going to pray about doing a series. What series could I do, God? What, what topic would you want me to speak from? And uh, some of you may be not surprised at all um, because you'll, you'll kind of equate this to my life and my preferences, but I just really felt like God was speaking to me about speaking about worship, speaking about worship. And, and you might say, well, that's obvious. We know you like music, Clint. That's your thing. I do like music. There's no doubt I like music. Uh, Name That Tune just came back on, the, the new game show. And I was blown away because my daughter was watching it with me. And she was like singing all the words to all the songs, even the ones that were written in the 70s. And I'm like, what is the deal? She's like, well, I heard it once. She's just got that kind of... Like, man, you should just go on the show and win me a hundred thousand dollars. But and I do, I do like music. It is my thing. But my hope and prayer over the coming weeks is that we realize that worship is more than music or words we sing. But it is the key to unlocking the kingdom perspective that we all need so badly. It is no mystery that our world and our country is in a bit of disarray right now. Understatement of the century, right? I'm here to tell you that God's kingdom is what matters. His will is what counts. His glory is what overcomes the enemy. It is not our job to bring kingdom to the, or it's not our job to bring his kingdom to earth through circulating videos or tweeting about how some people should act differently. It is not our job to bring his kingdom to earth by woefully complaining about a political candidate or questioning someone's salvation because of their beliefs in a certain policy or political standing. We should have one mission, 
and that is to understand that where we place our worship and why we worship determines our peace, our attitude, our endurance, and our very being well on earth. Worship is not, is not talking about music. It's only in our modern church culture where we've used the word worship to discuss a genre. Worship is not a genre. It's not like... Okay, I do, but it's not like I have my rock playlist and my, and my country playlist. Only the good stuff, okay? Only the good stuff in country. Um, and my worship playlist. See, worship doesn't start when Abaca grabs that guitar. It is not confined to the realm or the expression of music. When we really understand worship, you understand, and you've heard me say it before, worth what is God worth to you? What is he worth to you? We're going to read this portion of scripture. I have no slides today. It's okay. Okay, we're going to get through it. I have no slides. Okay. Matthew 26, 6 through 10. While Jesus was in the Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. How many of you have heard this story? Right? Raise your hands if you're in line. I can see you. Raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. Raise your hand. Right? When she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor... You will always, the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Hey, I had to preach the scripture. It says right there that we have to tell this throughout the world and do it in memory of her, right? And what she did in her act of worship. So here is this woman in this Scripture And in all the Gospels, right, the story is told, and it's told from different perspectives, a little bit different perspectives. And in John, chapter 12, it's told, and we find out who this woman is. Does everybody know who this woman is? It was Mary. Mary from Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters. We'll get to that in a little bit. But she poured this perfume on Jesus. This perfume was believed to be worth 300 denarii. Do you guys know how much money that is in modern day somewhere between $55,000 and $70,000 this is not clearance aisle Walmart perfume it's okay if you buy it there I'm just telling you that's not what this is okay this is not $9.99 wrapped in a cute little red bow to give to your grandma perfume right this is this is expensive stuff right my grandma used to give me $5 socks every year for Christmas I always look forward to them my favorite pair, I can still envision them, bright green. The brightest green you can imagine with a bright yellow stripe, right? It's okay. She was giving those to me out of love, right? She loved me. That's why she was giving me the socks, although at the time I didn't understand that. I just thought she was giving me socks because she thought I needed some. Well, she didn't like me, but I know that she actually gave them out of love. So this, this very expensive perfume, it was a lot of money. And it says that the disciples... And grew indignant and asked, why the waste? 
think about this. Kids will ask why. We recently had some guests at our house, and there's a couple of little ones at our house, and they were there for several days, and they had no problem asking why. Or what? What you doing? Why this? Why that? And we really loved it. It was amazing, right? You Parents are laughing, right? <laughs> Bryce, what you doing? Why, why are you doing that? Finally, I was just like, I'm breathing. That's what I'm doing. Why are you doing that? Because I need to to live. Oh, okay. Well, why do you need to live? It's like, oh, what in the world? Right? Kids, kids will ask why. It doesn't matter. But adults... Sometimes we just wonder. See, adults don't stop asking why, but sometimes they just don't say it out loud, right? We don't start, stop asking why, we just don't always say it out loud. Can you imagine if we said everything out loud that we wanted to ask why about? There would be more unrest in our world today, amen? <laughs> so, how many of us who follow him question other people's motives and methods? without any thought or consideration of where we are placing our worship. We are quick to call out others, and we haven't even called on the name of the Lord to spend time in his presence to hear his voice. In that same chapter of John, it says, this is John's perspective. In Matthew, it doesn't talk about this, but in John it does. It says, one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, everybody knows who Judas is, right? Who was later to betray him, in case you didn't know, I just told you, objected why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wage. Isn't Judas just a spiritual fella? But he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money, he used to, he used to help himself to what was put in. Is that right in Scripture? From John's perspective, that's what was going on. John was saying... Judas wasn't asking that because he wanted to help anybody out other than himself. And I know that likely most of us in this room or listening online are probably not stealing money out of the money bank, so to speak. But something that is more prevalent and is becoming more prevalent is disagreements and discussions about what will bring peace and value to our world and calling others out about their views or their actions without even consulting the King of Kings, without even spending time hearing God's voice. Oh, we might look up some super spiritual person that we look up to, and we might look up the blog that they put, and we'll post that as truth. But are we really spending time with the King of Kings? And how insulting to Jesus must have this been? I mean, they're, they're asking him, why this waste? I mean, <laughs> Jesus, you're a good teacher and all. You've done some pretty neat stuff. I mean, you're neat. You're cool. But, I mean, this really expensive bottle of perfume? I mean, yes, you've, you've done great things, but, but, I mean, really? This is, this is a lot. That's a waste. They were basically saying his worth was less than what was being given. We've experienced that in our own lives firsthand, right? Nobody should be worshiping us, but we've experienced that same scenario in our own lives. Someone attributing our worth to our actions. And we do it to others too, right? Jesus' worth can be measured in our lives by the work he did on the cross. That is, Jesus' worth can be measured by that one thing. It can be measured by lots of things that he did, but that one thing we can measure is worth. What he did on the cross and our worth 
should be measured the same way. And so should it be for others' worth. Jesus died on the cross for all. Jesus said you were worth it, so he died to save. And news flash, he did it for every other person that has come, is here, and is coming before he comes back. That's right, that neighbor, neighbor that drives you up the wall, Jesus said he was worth it, or she was worth it. That co-worker that makes you want to scream, Jesus said, oh, they're so worth it, I'm going to die for them. That political candidate that every time you see them, you want to just yank your hair out, Jesus sees them through a different lens. They're worth it. Jesus saw value in them, and he died for them, and he died for you. Meaning, even if you weren't here, he would have died for them. Ooh, really? Yep, really. Sorry. Not sorry. And the problem that the, with the question that the disciples asked was it devalued the woman's act because it devalued the presence of Jesus. We need to stop devaluing people and their actions because we quickly forget that Jesus is with them also and we don't know their story. They saw the pouring out of perfume as wasteful, forgetting about who they were pouring out the perfume for, forgetting about what he had done and not understanding what he had done for that woman and not even having the right to judge what she was doing. One of the reasons that they may have been upset is because they thought it was too much. The expression was too much. Like I, I don't, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know why folks raise their hands in worship, it's too much. I don't know why some people clap. I don't know why some people are a little bit more responsive. I'm not saying that those people are any more spiritual, but I'm saying, have we ever thought that about a response that somebody has towards Jesus? It might be a little too much. Why do they do that? Maybe, just maybe, they have something to give to God. Maybe they have been fighting all week. Maybe they are carrying something too heavy for them, and they are giving it to God. Maybe that's what was going on with this woman pouring out the perfume. Maybe we don't know the warfare that they had to go through when they came into this place. Maybe they needed a sea turned into a highway. Maybe they needed beauty for ashes. Maybe they needed bones to have life in them again, dry bones. And, and maybe this application in worship applies to not also to not making statements in our daily lives that don't encourage people to worship him. Maybe it just applies to those things too, where we begin to make statements about people, about actions, about things that are out there that don't encourage people to engage in worship of the very one that saved you and saved me. Listen, I think we know this, but I want to just remind us that the biggest struggle we have is not who is president, what the news says, what freedoms we feel like are at risk or not. Our problem is that we don't value Jesus and his goodness enough, that we begin putting more value and weight on things that we were never expected to deal with on our own in the first place. Living for God isn't America first. 
It isn't Republican first. It isn't Democrat first. It is, it's, it's one thing and one thing only. It's Jesus first. And what we worship comes out of our lives. I used to say that almost every week, to, to, but I said it in a different way to, to the youth ministries that I had the privilege of pastoring over several years. You are what you eat, and what you eat must come out is what I used to tell them. Listen. What we worship comes out of our lives. What we hold value in comes out of our lives. If more of our time is spent behind a keyboard pontificating why a certain stance or party is right or wrong than we do at the feet of Jesus, then what we worship is a problem because what we worship isn't Jesus. Why do I throw up my hands in worship? Because I need him. I need him more than my next breath. I need him more than who will be inaugurated in a few days or in ne the next eight years if Jesus doesn't come back. I need him more than all those things. I need him but because without him I will be overtaken and I will be consumed by the things of this world. I will be worried about the decisions I make, the decisions others are making. I need him. I need him before I can be or do anything else he wants me to be. I need to worship him because he is worthy and he establishes the work in me and allows me to be a better husband and a better human. He's my daily bread. He's my present help. He's my friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the one that I can call on in the middle of the night when I'm struggling. He is willing to identify with me. He knows everything about me, but he still says I am the righteousness of God. He's the one that spilled his blood for me and for others. So that is why I praise him. See, everybody worships something. Why not worship the one who made you and saved you? So apart from the practical value that Jesus only had one week to live in this story that we just read. He'd be put to death in one week. She is anointing him with this perfume that she has been saving up for something special. And she realizes this is it. Any of you saved up for something and you thought you were saving up for one thing, but then you saw another thing and you're like, oh no, no, this is what I'm going to do. It was worth it to save up for this. That's what was going on here. I saved this for a special occasion. And this is it. This is it for me. See, and she realizes she doesn't have to look around. She doesn't have to look at the other people in the room and see what everyone else is doing. Because he is worthy, and it's not a waste. It's not a waste. People do things all the time that we will never understand. You guys have probably heard the story about the daughter who growing up she had a mom who would cut off the back end of the roast and cook it, but it was the best roast ever. And she asked her mom, why do you do that? And she goes, well, my mom did that too. And then that girl had a daughter. And the same thing happened. And actually there was four generations of them all lined up. And they went to great grandma and they said, thank you for that recipe that you cut off the end of that roast because it's the best roast ever and we could use it from generation to generation. And she just said, I didn't cut that off as part of the recipe. My oven was too small. 
people do things all the time that we'll never understand unless we ask, right? We won't always understand why others do things they do. See, many thought that what this lady was doing was wasteful. But maybe she was responding to something that they had not experienced in their own life. The woman in this text knew firsthand the grace of God. Do you know firsthand the grace of God? I think a lot of you would probably say, yeah. And if you don't, I would just tell you it's just because you haven't realized it, yes. Right? You know firsthand the grace of God. You've experienced it in your life. See, people that have just heard about Jesus and they haven't maybe owned their faith or they haven't learned why, they may not understand this kind of worship that was going on here. And then there's people that have owned their faith supposedly, but they still don't understand because they don't want to understand because it's different than how they would do it. Worship starts when you reach down and say, God, you deserve this. You're worthy of this. That's when worship starts. And there are all these men around this table. And in comes this woman. And in Matthew, we're like, who is she? Like, we don't know her background. We don't always get the background of people that are in the Bible. We don't always get the full story. But if we did, we'd probably understand it, right? I love to watch people worship, not in a weird, creepy, stalker sort of way, okay? I love to watch people worship. Uh, I'm glad this isn't going on right now, but I remember there's been times where I'd like to watch, I'd like to watch sp specific people worship, and that's not a weird thing. I know it sounds weird, but it's not. Can you imagine if I went up to Ambika right now and I go, man, Ambika, there's this gal in our church, and I love to watch her worship. And I would go, it sounds like she needs to go to another church, right? That's what Amica would say to me. But, but the reason I love to watch certain people worship is because it blesses me. It blesses my heart when I see people pursuing Jesus and, their per and his presence. I've been in churches where, I've, where I just love to see a certain individual's response to Jesus because it speaks to me. It's not that I am judging anybody's response to worship, but certain responses just bless me at the time. God uses those things to speak to my life. It's just the way I'm made. I'm not saying everybody's made that way. I'm not saying look around and find somebody you like to watch worship. I'm just saying for me, that is something that I have enjoyed over the years. It, it doesn't indicate that they're more spiritual or anything like that. It's just that I can sense that they know Jesus is worth their worship. And some of you might say, well, yeah, but I knew this one person, and they were really loud, and they was just all a farce. They were just faking it. Yeah, that might happen. But that doesn't make Jesus any less worthy of our praise, right? And there are times where I just have seen that person. You know, the person that is, maybe they're, maybe they're, just, they're just crying when they get in the presence of God. I don't know. That's not me. Like, I'm not that person. Like, you probably won't see me very often. Maybe you will at some point, but you probably won't see me up here singing and crying at the same time. That's probably not going to happen. 
watch the Holy Spirit just say, ha, you're wrong. Um, but it's probably not going to happen. But it has. It's happened to me before. But I know people that, that, like, that consistently has happened. Like, they'd be standing here at the altar ready to receive, and they'd be like, oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord, there's nothing. And they're just crying, and, and they're singing, nothing better than you. And everybody else is like, yeah, I know, I get it. You sang it 27 times. What's the deal, huh? And they're just bawling and weeping. And, you know, there's, there's been those times in my life where I've seen that person worship and I go, wow, that like just blesses my heart. I wonder if it blesses Jesus' heart like it blesses my heart. But then, after a while, as I get to know that person because, you know, we're supposed to be in community. We're supposed to know the people around us. God brought us together for a reason. And then you hear their story. You hear their testimony of what God did, and it changes your perspective even more. You're like, oh, that is awesome. They've experienced the grace of God firsthand, and this is their response to that in worship. It is the way that God has made them to worship that way. And it blesses your life even more because now you understand their story. Think about this woman in John chapter 12 and Matthew 26, the same woman. A chapter earlier in John chapter 11, because 11 comes before 12, in case you guys are wondering. Um, I can teach you math too. See, something happened. You can't understand my chapter 12 unless you understand my chapter 11. Jesus once more, it says, in 38 of chapter 11. Deeply moved, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone that was laid across the entrance. And if we read all of chapter 11, it was these people begging Jesus to save their brother and to heal their brother. Take away the stone, he said, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, the first place that Jesus went was to his father. How many times is the first place that we go not to our father, not to Jesus, not to God, not to our savior, not to the king of kings, not to the person that created us? Jesus had it right, though. He looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. Quite the scene, right? Can we imagine this, right? right? Some of you maybe have watched that show. I haven't, but I mean, Night of the Living Dead or whatever it is. I don't know what it is. Or some of those weird zombie shows or whatever they are, but... The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Hmm. See, chapter 11, do you guys know what chapter 11 is in U.S. tax code? It's bankruptcy. Right? See, chapter 11 here, we're talking about spiritual bankruptcy. 
We're talking about things were dead in my life. There was shame on my life. Nothing else for me to do but call on the name of the Lord. In chapter 11 of John, it was spiritual bankruptcy. There was nothing else they could do. And sometimes it is pretty easy to go to him when there's nothing else I could do. It's pretty easy when I'm at a loss, where, where I can't think of another way out of a situation, where I go, oh man, I thought I was smart, but I can't solve this problem on my own. It's pretty easy to do that. But how about when things are just going okay or where they're doing well? Do we still call on the name of the Lord? Do we still let worship be our priority? But in this chapter, it was spiritual bankruptcy. Nothing else for me to do but call on the name of the Lord. And now I understand why she did what she did in chapter 12. She saw her brother in a tomb dead for four days. So by the time she got to Bethany, she knew. This is the one who stood by me. I don't give because it makes sense. I give. It's my worship because he's my God. He is worth it all. It's my worth, my worship. You are worth so much more, but here it is. See, worship isn't music, but that is a place that we can go to participate it isn't just raising hands, but it can be to lift things unto God, to lift our hands unto God, to ask him to take things from our life, to ask him to meet us right where we're at. Worship prepares the way to move past political climate, your job situation, your feelings, your rights. It prepares the way for our hearts to be transformed. It prepares the way for us to place value on Jesus because he's the one that places value on us. See, worship makes a way to see him and be transformed by him and opens communication to him. It's the only answer to your question, as we said earlier today. And just as she was preparing Jesus for burial and worshiping him, worship prepares us for warfare. It prepares us for our life here, and it also prepares us for our life with him after we are gone. Worship prepares us. It prepares our heart. And part of worship and part of why we worship and part of why we even sing songs, even though that isn't the point of worship, is because it prepares our heart to hear it allows us to get our focus off of all that other stuff, all that other noise, all those other distractions, all those other opinions, all that division, all that strife. And it allows us to focus our hearts on the one who is worthy of our praise and who brings value to our lives, worship that we are participating in. Learning how to worship and learning how to have a life of worship will help you learn peace. We've experienced his grace firsthand. If you're listening online or you're sitting in this room and you're saying, no, I haven't. Yes, you have. First of all, you're breathing. Second of all, I'm sure that there's a story of your life where God's hand was with you. And if you feel so 
despaired right now. But that is not what you're feeling, is that Jesus is with you. I want you to know that he is. And he will meet you right where you're at. And part of changing our perspective and changing how we think and how we experience life as a whole, not inside these four walls on a Sunday morning every every week to check something off our list, but how we experience our life as a whole is determining the worship, spending time with our Savior, kneeling at the foot of the cross, giving our lives to Him in surrender will be the thing that helps us experience everything that life has in a way that he's designed us to experience it. He'll get us through the good, the bad, and the ugly. He will. You've experienced his grace firsthand, so bring him all your worship. Despite, despite if others think it's too much. Despite if other people say that it's wasteful. Don't look around at how other people are experiencing worship to express your own worship. Even in your own room where nobody's around, be undignified before your king to pour out your heart in a way that you would not pour out your heart to anybody else, anything else. Because guess what? He poured out his life like nobody else will for you. Because nobody necessarily knows your story anyways. So pour out your worship to him. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you that all of our lives you have been faithful. All of our lives that you have been good. Lord, help our lives just project your goodness, God. Help us turn our hearts in ways that we never have, God, to your worth, to your value. And help us recognize, God, that our value comes from you. And so does that of every other person that has been here, that is here now or is coming before you come back, God. And because that is true, that our response to other people should only be seen through the same lens that you see them, God. Help us to be worshipers, God. Help us not to be warriors, God. But help us to be worshipers, God. Help us not to be in despair, but help us to lift you up, God. Help us to not look to other places for solutions, God, but help us to know that you are the answer to our question, Lord. Help us know that your throne and your throne room and spending time with you and worshiping you in our daily lives, God, is not a religious thing. It is not something that we can check off our list and that it makes us righteous, God, but it is something that prepares our hearts and prepares our lives to experience your goodness in new ways, God, through through sadness, through pain, through joy, through victory, through triumph, through defeat, through division, through despair, God, that worship changes the atmosphere of all of those things and brings us the peace that we need to encounter and to walk through those things, God. Lord, help us just live a life of worship because you are worthy, God, of our praise. You are worthy of our worship, God. And that that will change our hearts and our lives as a result. It will change our perspective, God. And ultimately, if we will continue to pray and worship, 
It will change the culture around us, God. We love you in Jesus' name.
glad you joined us today. We'll see you again next week.